Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Part three of our four part running back props series here on the podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eister back with you here once again on the show. Hope you're all having a great start to your day. We've been enjoying going through these chunks of running backs here on the podcast. So we continue it here today uh, and for the next two days. We've got one more episode after this here to close out this running backs prop series. A whole host of names, some big names still left in the group. And Jamie, we start with one of the biggest names in fantasy football, one of the biggest names in real life football at the position Indianapolis Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, the first name for us to discuss here on the show today. As always, I will provide the numbers themselves, the historical context, and then we can get into the conversation about the players. So for Jonathan Taylor, the props for him for 2023 are 1150.5 on the rushing yards and 8.5 on the touchdowns. Contextually, over the last couple of years, this has been a very good number. In his rookie season, Mm -hmm. he would have gotten to this number, both the yards and the touchdowns. 2021, the biggest year of his career, he would have gotten to both of these numbers, yards and touchdowns. 2022, he was injured, only played in 11 games, had had 861 yards and four touchdowns, so it was pretty close. This number is more in line with what his rookie year output was in 2020 than it was his 2021 season. But Jamie, I look at the usage that Indianapolis is going to have with him on the ground. I assume full health here, maybe missing a game or two. I don't know if he'll miss six games like he did last year. I kind of like where both of these numbers come in. I think these are good numbers for Jonathan Taylor. I think they're solid numbers. And so with Jonathan Taylor, you're looking at a couple different things here. Obviously, you have the injury time missed from last year, but you're also looking at a team with a new head coach, a new offense, and a new starting quarterback. I think those are all factors you must consider in here. And I think you also have to kind of look at maybe how – does a player with the skill set of an Anthony Richardson potentially affect the output of a Jonathan Taylor, both from a positive and a negative perspective. And we've talked about this on a few different shows that uh, the threat in the backfield that Anthony Richardson provides could actually benefit on a yards perspective, what Jonathan Taylor is able to do, but might take away some touchdown opportunities if he scrambles towards in the red zone. Mm-hmm. But I think these numbers are pretty sharp uh, and particularly the yardage number. This is at 1150 and a half. I have them at 1155 in my projection. Uh, and I have two games missed. So you're so not, projected- no sprinting, no sprinting to the yeah, bed no window, sprinting for no cartwheels. Uh, I projected him to play 15 games. I've met 1155 and 10 touchdowns on the ground. So this is probably one I'm going to stay away from, but I think these are pretty sharp numbers here. But to your point, Chris, these are very much in line with kind of like his rookie year numbers. Obviously the touchdown one is becoming really intriguing to me because I know last year we saw it, it drop down and, you know, he had a touchdown rate of what was it? I did it in uh, in May. He did a touchdown rate of about two percent of his carries uh, versus the touchdown rate that he had previously. I'm trying to see if I can get this. Oh, math on the fly here. This is some of your best work. Quick. Yep. Eighteen. The number of touchdowns he had in 2021 uh, divided yeah, by his so, number of carries. So in the first two years of his career, he was hanging over a little over five percent of his carries resulted in a touchdown that dropped to two percent last year. But you look at what he did earlier in his career and you look at some of the pieces that are still around him, the way that offense could still be semi-successful, eight and a half feels a little low. So I guess if I had to 
pick one of the two that I would take. And normally, again, I, I wow, the rare Jamie Eiser taking a touchdown number, not the yards number. It. This this will not be part of our future to be determined prop draft that we're going to do at some point. But I like that one a little bit more because we have seen him get double digit touchdowns twice in his career when he both both times when he's been healthy. I think that number is a little bit lower and a little bit artificially low based on a, a touchdown percentage valley that he had last season. I, and I think he'll be better than that this year, but he's a pretty sharp numbers from Vegas. So I think I'm going to stay away from the Jonathan Taylor train at these numbers. And uh, I always find it funny when I have a projection within five yards uh, of where Vegas has them. That tells me I'm doing something at least okay on this projection. Total numbers for him, like I said, I think he's 227 carries, 1155, 10 touchdowns in 15 games. Uh, we'll talk about receiving at another point, but this is kind of what I expect from him this season. And I think the presence of Anthony Richardson will both help and hurt certain elements of his game. But I will say this, I do not expect this Colts offense to be as bad as it was at times last year. No, they had a, is a, is a major positive. And they had a statue at quarterback last year. And so as long as the, yeah, that statue is no longer there, and he won't be because Anthony Richardson will be the starting quarterback, they're going to improve. Now, I, the, the, to take what you said about Anthony Richardson's presence in this offense can both help and hurt, to hurt Jonathan Taylor. I think where it's going to be a huge help is in the early going, this Colts team is not going to want to throw the ball 30, 35 times a game. They're going to want to stay in that 22 to 28 kind of range as they bring Anthony Richardson along. Well, guess what? That means they're going to run the ball quite a bit, at least in the early going, as they get Anthony Richardson up to speed. Now, the negative is what you were talking about, Jamie, about the touchdowns down in the red zone. If there's a broken play and Anthony Richardson scrambles, he's going to be able to scramble a lot more efficient, efficiently than Matt Ryan was a year ago, and so that's where you could yes. lose some of this. But the sheer volume, I think, listen, he, had, he carried the ball 332 times in 2021. Do I think he reaches that number again? No, but I think it's closer to that number than it is to his 232 in his rookie season. Yeah, the, the question is going to be here because I have this like conflict in my head when I talk about the Colts and when I talk about Jonathan Taylor in particular because there are a lot of positives that you can create with Anthony Richardson. Then there's also some negatives. And, and part of me goes that the offset of the volume that you just discussed is that our team's just going to load the box against the Colts. And they're going to say, we want this rookie that has some accuracy issues he needs to work through at this stage in his career. We're going to make him beat us. And he wouldn't make him beat us in one-on-one -on -one scenarios and make him place the ball where it needs to be in man-to-man -man opportunities or in single or in single high. So that's something to me that I would look at as well. Does that counteract each other? And we talk about the red zone and put this place an example. And again, I know the Buffalo Bills have not had a running back like Jonathan Taylor in recent years. But part of the reason why their running backs never score is because Josh Allen is such a valuable asset in the red zone. And not just as a scrambler in the traditional sense of, oh, I'm going to scramble and just get around everybody with speed because Anthony Richardson's faster than Josh Allen. It's the physicality of Josh Allen in the red zone. And Anthony Richardson is built to be physical in one yard, two yard away scenarios where you might see him get used creatively in those roles. So that could he vulture touchdowns away from Jonathan Taylor in that way, not just the scrambling, but in designed up the middle QB sneaks type scenarios like we have seen with Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, et cetera, that, that take a lot of those touchdowns away from the running backs in the backfield. So I think both of those factors all kind of cancel out in my head because I, I feel like I could make an argument both ways about how, how equally it helps and hurts. So 
I think this is about right. You're going to be looking at 11 to 1200 yards. He's going to be flirting with eight to 10 touchdowns and you probably have to factor in a missed game or two. So I think these numbers are, are, are about right for Jonathan Taylor. And if he exceeds them, then that's awesome for the Colts and awesome for fantasy managers. But I, I would temper the expectations that he's going to just go back to the player he was volume wise and production wise from two years ago. I don't think that's happened. Jamie, perhaps the quietest 1,500-yard season on the ground belonged to Nick Chubb in the year 2022. My guy rushed for 1,525 yards. That being said, his numbers for this year, as he's the next player we're going to discuss here on the show, 1,225 and a half rushing yards, eight and a half on the touchdowns. The 1,525 yards and 12 touchdowns last year, like I just mentioned, 1,259 yards and eight touchdowns in 2021. A little over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns in 2020, 2019, 1,494 yards and eight touchdowns, and in 2018, just shy of 1,000 yards by four yards and eight touchdowns. Look, Jamie, this touchdown number, he's he's hovered around it basically his entire career, but he's only gone over it twice, and the yards, he's done it three of the five years of his career. So there you go. Take that information and lead us wherever we need to go with Nick Chubb. Do you think, Chris, because I often wonder this, those that don't that watch football but don't yeah. play fantasy football, do you think they know how good Nick Chubb is? No, I, you know what? I, I feel like he gets no coverage. I would like to take this take a step further. Okay. I think the general NFL population doesn't know how good Nick Chubb is. Like, just in it's, general. Yeah, it, it, it seems like he gets My guy's no forgotten. Love My guy's forgotten and, about And has been unbelievably productive literally since he stepped into the NFL. Like his worst season, and I'm put that in air quotes for those that are not watching the show right now. In air quotes, his worst season was his rookie year. We played in all 16 games, but started only nine. It was the only year that he played more than 12 games and didn't get 200 touches, and still had 996 yards and eight touchdowns. <laughs> he has made the Pro Bowl four years in a row. Like I had 1,500 yards on the ground last year. 1,500. He is such he is such a great player at everything that he does, and uh, I'm taking the over on both of these. I have him projected this year, and again, I, I'm 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 going to even throw in a couple missed games for him. I have him projected for 15 games. I have him at 1,400 yards and 11 and a half touchdowns in my projection, which puts him three touchdowns over on the back end there, uh, and puts him about what 175 yards over his his line there. I like the over on both. All this guy does is get touches. Kareem Hunt is gone, and we saw Kareem Hunt be less, a little bit less effective last year and used less often than, than the previous year. But this is a guy, when he is healthy, or even relatively healthy, like he went over this total to, uh, in 2021 in only 14 games. Jamie. He went over the touchdown totals in 2020 in only 12 games. My guy in his career averages 5.2 yards per attempt. Yes. Like over the over the last four years, and he in, in games in which he's, he played sixteen games, twelve games, fourteen games, and seventeen games. Over the last four years, on a per game basis, he is averaging ninety point six yards per game, and he is averaging in that time as well two thirds of a touchdown per game. It's insane touchdowns. Insane. That's nuts. And what reason do we have to believe that he will be used any differently? In fact, there's all the more reason to think he might be used even more. Here's why. One, with Kareem Hunt gone, listen, there's some, this show is a small part of the Jerome Ford fan club. We on this show have discussed how this is what the Browns plan ultimately has always been. We have talked about that Jerome Ford being the long-term answer at the backup position to Nick Chubb has been in the cards, right? 
Jerome Ford's not Kareem Hunt. He's not going to absolutely 100% take over that workload. So that workload's got to go somewhere, and it's going to go to Nick Chubb. Here's the other thing I would add on top of this, Jamie. You know how I feel about Deshaun Watson this year, that I don't think he's going to return completely to form. You think if the Cleveland Browns are winning late in games, that they're going to steer away from what has clearly been Kevin Stefanski's strategy. The Kevin Stefanski strategy in his era as the Cleveland Browns head coach is if we have a lead late in the third quarter going into the fourth quarter, every offensive play we run is going to be giving the ball to Nick Chubb and winding the clock down. What tells you that that is ever going to change? When you have a guy who on 300 carries last year had 1,500 yards, that he is your he is the ticket to clinching every game late, and they're going to play a ton of close games in that division against Pittsburgh, against Cincinnati, against Baltimore. You have the ace in the hole of, okay, in the fourth quarter, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, we're going to slow this game to a halt. You might get one possession in the fourth quarter with the way we're going to play. Why would they change? Their their entire 2023 season is going to absolutely hinge on them sticking to this strategy and to this formula. And with Nick Chubb healthy, there is no reason to veer from it. In fact, they might ramp it up because of their schedule. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, this is a, this is a, th- and look, you know, I'm more bullish on, on Deshaun Watson this year than you are, but the reality, the fact of the matter is this offense is predicated and runs through Nick Chubb and it has for years and it's been incredibly effective. And every time he's on the field, he is incredibly productive over the course of the season. So I have, n- these numbers here do, do not align. Like to me, these numbers here don't align with the work he's going to get. I get the eight and a half touchdowns because he's done the thing where like in what, three of the five years of his career, he's had exactly eight touchdowns. Yeah. So I get wh- I get why they're doing this. It. It's like three times he's got eight and what, twice he's got 12 or something like that. I don't know how you don't um, run to the podium for this yards number. I, I agree. Because again, I-, I think he can do this potentially in 13 games. Like, I think he can get you the over it's if ridiculous. he misses four games. It's ridiculous to say that. I, I do. And by the way, not only do I think he could do it, he has done it. Right. So I'm all for this. I like the over on both, uh, if we're being perfectly honest here. But I, I like the yards, too. But I think eight and a half is, is the only reason why it is this low. And I don't even think it's logic-based. I think it's literally like, well, he's gotten exactly eight three times in his career, so he might get eight again. Which I understand why humans think this way. But mathematically, that doesn't matter. Right. It, it, it just doesn't. Like, it, everything about this is touchdown, right? Everything about this says that he should be significantly above both of these numbers. And this is one that I am very happy to take the over on both sides. Yeah, the, this is one that you and I would might have, are probably going to have to fight over. Yeah, in that 100%. Because we like both. There, there's, there's no material change to the coaching staff, to the way they're going to run their offense. There is a material change into the makeup of the running back room, but it is a positive, a positive to the outlook of, Nick, Chubb, of yeah. Nick Chubb. So I look at this situation and I don't see anything that's an immediate drawback that would stop me. They took also they took his 2023, 2022 numbers, Jamie, and they knocked yeah. 300 yards off of that number and made it his total for 2023. And I know that's not exactly how to look at it, but my guy rushed for 1,500 yards last year and they came in at 1,200 and change. He's averaged, as you mentioned before, 5.2 yards per carry this year. What if Deshaun Watson's good? What if for the first time in this entire sequence, the Cleveland Browns have an above-average starting And Now you can't load the box to try to stop Nick Chubb, and now we just have all this room to operate. He could lead the league in rushing. Like, he has an outside chance to lead the league in rushing. They just need, like, they just need like Deshaun Watson me, to be average. 
for that yeah. to, for that to apply. And quite frankly, that's average is better than the combination of the the Tarad Taylors, the Baker Mayfields, the Jacoby Brissett's, the last year's version of Deshaun Watson. Am I missing somebody in this Cleveland run? Probably. Like, They've got about forty-seven bajillion quarterbacks. So but your point, the point stands. That's the thing. Like this, this dude is averaging five point two yards per carry with bad players throwing the ball, where they know that he's going to be the option. Could you imagine if they're good? Yeah. Through the air, they have the weapon. We've talked about what the weapons look like. If Deshaun Watson is even eighty percent of the player he was in Houston, it's a massive upgrade over the quarterbacks that have been playing in Cleveland since Nick Chubb got there. Uh, Jamie, the first two names that we talked about, big time names in the running back position, big yeah. time names in the fantasy community uh, overall. Right, these are players that you're talking about drafting in the first round. The rest of this this list today are fascinating and intriguing for a lot of different reasons that aren't because yeah. they're big names at the position, although one guy is. Potentially no more fascinating than the next guy that we're going to talk about because I will openly say before we get into the conversation about this player, I have no idea how I feel. This The conversation we're about to have, will that I will. it is raw. I do not have a preconceived yeah. idea of what I want to do with this player. That player being Jacksonville Jaguars running back Travis Etienne, whose numbers entering the third year of his career, even though we have only one year of context to be able to put together here, is 950 and a half on the ground and six and a half in the touchdowns. And you might be asking yourself, Chris, why are you so worried? My guy got 1,125 yards last year and he had five touchdowns. This is going to sail over. Well, I don't know. We've got Dearness Johnson. We've got Tank Bigsby. And there's all this talk about a reduced workload for Travis Etienne in 2023 that has me very, very concerned that he might not get close to these numbers. Now, that doesn't mean Travis Etienne is going to be a worse player in 2023 for the Jags but that his utilization might be different. And that's very, very important when discussing these props. Yeah. And normally I, I say a lot of this stuff that gets talked about is, is overblown, but I, I think this is legitimate. And, and I think it goes back to really, for me, it goes back to the NFL combine. Uh, when I was standing in the scrum, when Doug Peterson was talking and he was asked specifically about his desire to add more running backs that off season as it went on. And, you know, he, paraphrasing basically said you need to have a handful of running backs in the NFL these days. You can't just have one guy. And he goes out and gets the Ernest Johnson goes out and get drafts tank Bigsby. And I believe that was a third round pick they spent on tank Bigsby, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So I, I do expect there to be multiple backs used here. I do actually think, and, and we're not talking about this on this show, but we get into, we, I think we talked a little bit about it on our sleeper show that I, I am actually excited about what tank Bigsby can do. I think you're going to see them try to not put as many, I don't know, carries, carries in general, but touches on his body. Now, last year, he had 255 touches last year, and 220 of those were carries. You know, I have him closer to 235 this total year. Touches. So I have him going just a little bit lower. Yeah, in total touches. Mm -hmm. So I just have, I, I still think he's going to get plenty of work, but I don't think we're going to see him take a leap statistically because I don't think he's going to get the same amount of workload. Now, my, my projection has him at uh, 1,016 yards and 5.6 touchdowns. So, so it, this it's is a stay away from you. This. Yeah. this is a complete stay away from me. Uh, but I do think that where he's going to be right around that 1,000-yard mark, but this is one that I found very interesting that it aligned with my thoughts, and it kind of aligns with everybody's that – this is going to be more of a running back by committee. And yes, you could talk about what the addition of Calvin Ridley for this year might end up affecting the passing game for the Jaguars. But to me, this is all about 
multiple backs being used effectively. And they didn't really have that option. The James Robinson stuff didn't pan out last year. Jermichael Hasty's just the guy. Um, you know, they had different guys at different points throughout the season. They, I, they have added two players in particular that are better than anybody they had in the backup space last year with the specific purpose of being multidimensional on in that rushing attack and using multiple backs. And look, we might even see ETN be used a little bit more as a pass catcher this year than we saw last year. I, th- I thought, you know, what do you had? What do you have like 35 catches last year? Uh, 35 catches he- on 45 targets. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he might be more of a 60-ish target guy. So maybe that's a – I don't have him projected for that this year, but maybe that's the way he's used a little bit differently. But uh, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to get 220 carries on the ground this year, and we're going to see multiple backs. So this is a stay away for me, but this, I'm glad you pointed this out because him his number coming in under 1,000 probably caught some people off guard and probably got some people excited. And I really think if you take a step back and you listen to everything that Doug Peterson has said since the combine and everything Doug Peterson has done as a coach throughout his career indicates that I don't think Etienne is going to be featured quite as much on a volume basis this year as he was last year. Remember when we were talking about Nick Chubb and we said the material uh, framework of Nick Chubb's situation in Cleveland hadn't changed all that much? You can't say that about Travis Etienne in Jacksonville. And Nick Chubb's got a bigger sample size than Travis Etienne does in um, in Jacksonville. And so it's tough for me to buy into a year two player with this situation that we find himself that he finds himself in with what they added to this room immediately, automatically, 100% making a statistical leap. Do I think he's close to these numbers? Yes. But Jamie, when we do this prop draft at some point and we go through these, I got to have slam dunks. I got to be ones I feel really, really good about. But because Jamie, I could I could see a scenario where we are sweating this out in week 17 of the regular season where Travis Etienne is flirting with this number and you need a certain game from him in order to get it. I don't like bets like that. I don't like playing that game. As we talked about it. And by the way, Chris, it'll be week 18 that we'd be sweating this out. But maybe they have a bye in week 18. Old old habits are hard, hard, die hard, whatever the phrase is. But no, but that, that but Chris, we talked about this with Trevor Lawrence's prop, right? With the division that they're in. With the schedule that they have, right. and it the could, that it could be wrapped and, up and by now. Like, that's the thing of they might just not be able to go anywhere. Like right. we don't see them fighting for the buy the one seed, and at the moment we don't see them having any trouble winning this division by multiple games. So they might walk into Week 18 knowing they're going to play the following weekend in the wild card round, and they're going to host a wild card game against somebody. You might not get a full game or any game out of a lot of these starters. So. And especially if you have a running back that's always going to be banged up by the end of the year because they're a running back. It's just, it just it's a physical – it's the most physically demanding position on offense in terms of the amount of hits that you take outside of playing on the offensive line where you're taking a hit every snap. I could see a scenario where he doesn't play much in Week 18, which would, would further hinder these numbers. So I, I think that uh, – I think that this is a very sharp number. And I also, again, I continue to say as we – and we'll get into wide receivers next week, but – the books are really kind of hinting that they're a little worried about that week 18 being much of a game for these Jaguar starters. And I, I tend to agree with them. And I, uh, I'm staying away from this one in general. Doug Peterson has never benched or sat anybody down late in the season in week 18 or week 17. It's never, he's never done it ever. So just, uh, you know, no, ne- no, never, he's never benched. Never, he has never, and has never been any controversy. Right. It. He's never benched a potential MVP candidate late in the season when things didn't matter for his team. Never done it. He's never done it. Uh, Jamie, I I am elbowing people, and we don't we don't condone violence here on this show. I am elbowing people, cutting in line, side elbow. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm side elbowing. I'm pushing. Okay. I'm I am getting myself to the front of the line of the bet window. 
to place my bets for this next guy. Really? Okay. Not in the way you probably think I am. Okay. Alexander Madison, the next name up, uh, up for us to discuss. Nine hundred and a half on the rushing yards, seven and a half on the touchdowns. Jamie, I'm elbowing people. Give me the under. Give me the under on these yards at nine hundred okay. and a half. Uh, this is a stay away from me because I'm almost on the money with this. Uh, my projections have him at 914 yards and seven and a half. Under, 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 under. Here's the thing. And here's why I'm disappointed with this line. I was really hoping that this would be higher and I, and I, and I could run to the window with you. My concern is, is that there's just going to be, he's going to volume his way to this point. But and I know I said this in the show before. And I know this is a hot take, but I don't think Alexander Madison is that good. I'm going to use one. And, I'm going to use one. Okay. You're going to use one. Use how it. many How many carries do you have him projected for this year? 230. Okay. Statistically, <laughs> the, best, the best year of his career, the best year of his career. Yeah. Was last season when he had 134 carries in 16 games and he had 491. 2021, you mean? Yes. Yes. Excuse me. 2021. Season, but he had 134 carries and 491 yards. To get him to this number, he would have to have double the carries that he had yeah. in 2021. That's 260 plus carries. Yeah. I can't get there. I can't do it, Jamie. Yeah. Here's the thing. And you know how like there's that old saying, I'm going to try not to butcher the saying as I just yeah, did the other butchered one. one, one five seconds like the most pop- yeah, I don't want to talk about it. The most uh, popular person in town is the backup quarterback. In fantasy, a lot of times the most popular person in town is the backup running back when the starter gets hurt and people start to overhype them. And because of Dalvin Cook's injury history earlier in his career and Alexander Madison being his handcuff, and there's there's a lot of fantasy hype always every year on Alexander Madison. And yes, he has flashed at times. There but are you gotta times go back, he's been you gotta go back to 2019 to, yeah. f- to have a 4.6 yards per attempt. Jamie, he's been under four yards per attempt each of the, the last, last two, two seasons each yes. of the last two years he's and not the player that averaged four and a half yards an attempt he's not that player no. anymore and, and i know people have twisted themselves into pretzels to do and and here's my favorite thing and, and i'm not calling anybody out in particular because i'll do it call them out no because we all have our own methods to getting there and i will not pretend that my method is perfect it is it is very much not if it was i'd be making millions of dollars and i would never talk to you chris so it, clearly it's not perfect right but i have a fundamental issue with people that like to split stats so finely that they make conclusions that aren't really there. And Alexander Madison has been one of those guys where people will go like, well, in games in which he has gotten this many carries and Dalvin Cook has been out and this has happened, he has been this player. You have to understand that what happens when you get to only carry the ball a few times and you as a change of pace back versus being the game plan back and being the feature back and the attrition that comes with a what we expect to be a 200-plus touch season from him. Over the last two years, he has not been as a, a, a highly effective player. And you don't just get to pick and choose some of his top moments and just call it, oh, well, he's just going to do this and extrapolate this out. That's even worse than doing the backup numbers extrapolating out. He has shown over the last two years that he is a below-average runner. And I understand he's going to get used a lot. And that's why he's going to flirt with these 900 yards and seven and a half touchdowns that I haven't projected with because he's going to get used a lot. But I need to see him be a more effective player on a long-term basis than he has been over the last two seasons before I buy it. And to me, I don't think it's going to happen. And I will be pleasantly surprised if I'm wrong, but I think people acting like he's just going to be Dalvin Cook 2.0, 
I've always thought that that was incorrect. I've always thought that was a false narrative. And I think that's going to be bared out this season when he's going to have, he's going to have plenty of games where he gets 20 carries for 84 yards. Can I ask you a question, Jamie? I got a question for you. Yeah. How many times over the last two seasons? So 2022 and 2021, how many times over the last two seasons has Alexander Madison carried the ball over 20 times? It's not a trick question. I'm just legitimately asking you how many times over the past two seasons, last two seasons has Alexander Madison carried the ball more than 20 oh, times? Three times. It's exactly it. it it's three wow. times. Just, and guess nice. what? It happened zero times last season. So you have to go back to 2021 to find games in which Alexander Madison rushed the ball over 20 times. Those stat lines, 26 carries for 112 yards in week three in 2021. how many cards per carry? Which is 4.3 yards per carry. Okay. He had... 25 carries for 113 yards in week five for 4.5 yards per carry. And then in week 13, he had 22 carries for 90 yards, 4.1 yards per carry. That's it. That's the sample size. You're asking me to buy in to Alexander Madison and being a thousand yard rusher off of a three game sample size over the last two seasons. Because like Jamie, I got a lot of games in here in which we got, uh, we have 2.5 yards per carry, 3.3 yards per carry, 3.7 yards per carry because he's not getting a ton of work. He had a game in which he had 13 carries against the Rams back in 2021, 3.2 yards per carry. I've got a bigger sample size of that player. Yeah, and I know people are going to push back and say, well, now that he's a starter, he's going to have the 20 yards to carry, so we should look at those games more. And I I don't think that's The workload doesn't work that way. You can't massively increase somebody's workload and just assume the same productivity. It doesn't work that way. I also have more, like you said, more games to show me the opposite. Uh, Now, again, so I have them... Where do I have them in mind? So if I did the mathematics here real quick here. By the way, I only had one double-digit carry game last year, and it was in week 18. So I have him, I have him projected. I did 3.98 yards per carry. That That is where I, I put him for mine, which is, again, significantly above what he's done the last two years. So I, I'm with you, Chris. If I had to pick one, I'm picking the under, but I think these lines are almost, I mean, eerily almost exactly where I have them. Maybe it's just because I feel so strongly about our opinions on Alexander Madison that I'm running and elbowing people to get to the bet window for this one, but I just don't see it. I don't see the uh, the automatic he's going to double. There is no. so many more range of outcomes in which he's better, but not Dalvin Cook, or he gets hurt, or he's the same player he's been, just with a longer runway. Like yep. There are too many more range of outcomes on that side than there are he's a thousand-yard rusher. I agree. And, and again, I... Projecting a lot of volume, and I'm still not getting there, which scares me. Cam Akers, the next running back up for us to discuss. 750 and a half on the yards, six and a half on the touchdowns. Bro, J- Jamie, you I got three know. years to look at for Cam Akers. One year he did this, 786 yards and seven touchdowns. One year his rookie season, 2020, he didn't. 625 yards and two touchdowns. 2021, he played in one game. We can't really count that. So this is literally kind of just splitting the difference. On those two seasons? Yeah. I don't know what I to make know. of Cam Akers, this entire Rams team. Uh, they're going to be down a bajillion points in every game they play because their defense is going to be one of the worst in football. So how often are they going to run the ball? Stay away. I, my official yeah. verdict on this, stay away from this. I'm with you. Stay away. Is is he going to be the starter week one? Is he, How long is he going to be the starter? Is he going to get benched? Is he going to be on, on McVay's uh, bad side? Are they going to use Kyron Williams at times? Are they going to use Sonny Michelle at times? Are they going to do I, – I don't know. My projections have him at 804 yards and seven touchdowns, which is almost which is almost right on this line here. So this is a stay away from both a, a philosophical standpoint and even my mathematical projection standpoint. I have no idea how Cam Akers is going to be used from game to game, from parts of the season to other parts of the season, from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, how healthy he's going to be for the course of the season. I have no idea. 
Uh, I do not think it is a smart business idea to bet on Cam Akers in any direction here. I, I would just, I'm just staying away completely. This Rams team could be really bad. Oh, and by the way, while I was overseas in Europe, I saw the report came out of that. Uh, I know we, we, I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show. I know we talked about the staff chat about the Rams were aggressively trying to trade Matthew Stafford uh, yeah. earlier this offseason. We have not discussed well. it on the show yet. No, no, we have no, no, but I meant like, I think, I don't know if we just, yeah, I think this predates us starting the new yes. version of the show. Yes. Um, but we had those discussions, the staff chat, all this. I just, I, I want nothing to do with the Rams. I just want nothing. Again, we talked about there's some value, and we'll see where they where the wide receivers go in terms of like Van Jefferson and Puka Nakua. If they have receiving odds, like we like them in fantasy a lot. We'll see when we get into our wide receiver props where they land there. But to me, I'm staying away from the Rams because I think this team could be an epic disaster. And epic disasters are usually not good for running backs, including off-injured running backs that don't exactly have a, a, a secure hold of the starting job. Jamie, I'm going to combine the last two running backs together for us here on the show today, and that is because they are in the same running back room, and they are a duo, and that being Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. We do not have touchdown numbers for either of these guys. They're both off the board, but we do have yardage numbers. For Aaron Jones, it's 800 and a half, and for A.J. Dillon, it's 725 and a half. Jamie, I have a hot take. Yeah, okay. I think I like the over on both these guys. Yeah, ex- explain. Ex- let's talk about Aaron Jones for a second. Bro. Explain, oh, explain this, to me why a guy who's had five, the guy who's had three thousand yard seasons uh, out of the last four years, is is numbers at eight hundred and a half. And, and again, I get okay. Aaron Rodgers isn't there; they're not as worried about the passing game, and they might load the box. Sure, but then the other component is I think they're going to run the ball more. So let's just say that evens out or comes close to evening out. I, I don't get this one. I had Aaron Jones projected to be at twelve hundred yards. That would be a clear so, high. He's never done that. So. Yes, I, I know he technically has not done that yet, but I, I think he's going to get uh, the workload to make that happen this year because I think he's going to have a career high in, well, I guess, uh, a closer high in attempts. I don't get this. Now, I, I don't think he's going to be super productive touchdown-wise, and I think you're going to see his receiving stats get hurt a bit. Like last year, he was, you know, last two years, he was over 50 catches. I think he's probably going to drop below that mark this year because I don't think he's going to get that opportunity quite as many opportunities to catch the ball, but I don't get this one at all. Like I I think this is an easy case of him getting over a thousand yards. I am shocked that this number is so low at 800 and a half. And uh, we know with AJ Dillon, I have him at 870. So it's again, over here as well, as well, by the way. Yeah. But I, I think we talk about career high. They're going to have to, they're going to have to run the ball here. And, I think we're going to see a completely different team from the Green Bay Packers this year than in terms of the way they run their offense. And I think they're going to run a lot through those guys. And, you know, right now I have them being, I have them running the ball almost 30 times a game. I, I think that is going to now in total, all, all rushing attempts on offense around 30 times a game. I think this offense is going to be way closer to 50, 50 on pass attempts, rush attempts. And they've been in some time because that's going to be their best path to winning games. That's the best. And that's their best path to having some mismatches on the field right now. It's still a really young wide receiver core and and, and a really inexperienced quarterback. And so what are you going to use? You're going to rely on your two best weapons on offense. And right now, those two best weapons on offense, aside from Christian Watson, is Aaron Jones, who I think is the best overall weapon on the offense, and A.J. Dillon. And I think they're going to use them as that lightning and thunder and try to change paces and give them the ball a lot to try to stay in some of these games and to try to ease the pressure that Jordan Love is going to feel this year with a very inexperienced pass-catching group around him. 
I like the over on both, but the Aaron Jones one is a sprint yeah, for me. 100%. I, I, unless he gets hurt, I do not see how he doesn't go above this total. Uh, Jamie, you said earlier that the, the most popular uh, guy in high school is the backup quarterback, and the most popular guy in fantasy circles is the backup running back. Uh, that's true with me and A.J. Dillon. I, I have yeah. a love affair with A.J. Dillon, but this is a guy that last year in 12 of the 17 games that he played in, he had double-digit carries. That's not going to go away. That's not going to change. They were going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. That's not going to change overnight. Now, yes, teams might, Jamie, teams might stack the box against Jordan Love. But I don't know if you can do that when A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are threats out of the backfield catching the ball. You can't do that. I also don't think it's going to matter as much because, again, if, again, the Packers are in a weird spot right now. But I don't believe them as an organization or Matt LaFleur as a head coach are willing to throw in the towel on this season. So if you're going to put your team in a position to win on Sundays and do everything you can to win on Sundays, you're getting the ball into Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon's hands as early and often as possible. And I think both of these backs are going to get more than 200 carries. And I think they're both going to have a huge involvement in, again, assuming health, both will get to more than 200 carries and are going to be heavily involved in this offense. And quite frankly, at that volume, you don't need a lot of efficiency. No, like I, I think that that's the part of like, if you, if you've looked at AJ Dillon's career, that's the part that I think people have been a little worried about is that after after just looking like a monster his rookie year and in limited attempts, he's been solid, but he hasn't taken that like he hasn't been a four and a half, four point six type of, of yards per carry guy. And I don't expect him to be at that size, but you don't need these guys to be elite at the amount of volume that they're going to get you. You just need these guys to be league average on a per carry basis, which would, by the way, be worse than what they have been. And with the expected volume, I think they're going to get, they should fly over these numbers. That is going to do it for us here on this edition of the show. One more running back show for you this week. We still got some big names. We got Saquon Barkley. We got Joe Mixon. We got Austin Eckler, just to name a few of the guys that you can expect us to deep dive tomorrow here on the show. In the meantime, while you're waiting, do us a favor, rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. We've got the video version over on the YouTube side of things, the Draft Network on YouTube. Go over there, check out the video version, leave a comment, hit the like button, subscribe, turn on the notification bell so you get notified when a new video drops. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Schubert underscore. You can follow Jamie on Twitter uh, at Jamie Eisner. Now, Jamie, this is for every for the listeners of the of the show. It's been one continuous loop for you and I personally. There has been a break yes. in when we've recorded these shows. So while you were yeah. gone, Threads has become a thing. So are you on Threads to where we can share I, I, our Threads with everybody so that they I can? It, oh. Disappointing. Threads. And, Disappointing. And it's more, it's not any sort of uh, political or any other statement. It's more so that I don't want another social media platform. <laughs> and, no, just get rid of Twitter. If we both, if, if we both move I'm to threads, here's if we thing. both move I, to threads, it's fine. No, well, I'm not doing that because here's the thing. As much as I don't, and again, I'm going to take the po- politics aside from here, just purely UX UI of Twitter. I have not been thrilled with many, most, almost all uh, of the changes that Elon Musk has made in terms of just the usability of the platform for me as a user. I don't, don't care about who's allowed on there, who's blocked, who's not blocked. I, I'm trying to get you blocked about, on Twitter. Didn't work. Don't, don't care about any of that. Just simply like the ability for me to use Twitter as a human being in the way I, I have become accustomed to and like to use it. I have not been a big fan of it, but it's still my so, favorite social so media threads. That's what thread, thread. That's what Threads is there threads? for. Jimmy, come join us. Someone said Threads looks like what every movie pretend social media looks like when they do a mock-up of social media. I, I will say the, the I will say the UI could use some help. We we could use some help. 
but I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying my time on threads. I have not put out a thread yet because, you know, it's tough. You, you go to a new social media platform. That, fo- that first post, very, very important. You got to hit yeah, the ground running. You don't want to screw it up. So I haven't, I have not posted anything, but I am over there at CRSHU, but with an E at the end. So C-R-S-C-H-U-B-E is where you can follow me on threads. Again, I, there's no content there yet, but maybe there will be down the road. Who knows? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I will post on threads when I'm contractually obligated to. Damn. Can't, can't wait for us to have to do content on threads since Jamie has to join. But in, in the meantime, just hit him up on Twitter. The, tell him to go join us. The last thing threads. the world needs is more social media. Let's be perfectly honest. It's, it's fair. That's fair. That's going to do it for us here on this edition of the show. Hope you all have a great rest of your day. One more running back show for you guys tomorrow. We'll catch you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.